0: Thanks for tuning in to Dream City, Omaha, where we're all about helping each other discover Christ, recover identity, and uncover purpose. We hope this message impacts your life, and be sure to like and subscribe for more. Today we're going to uh, to finish up our series entitled Refinance. We've been looking at, at finances and really coming back to what does God's word have to say about our finances. We've talked about having a healthy relationship with money. How that we we can't serve two masters. The Bible says, Jesus said, we will either love one and hate the other, we'll despise one and love the other. We, we can't serve both God and money. And and so we, we talked the first week about having a healthy relationship with money. We talked about tithing. Why, why do we tithe? What is the tithe? And as New Testament believers, is that still a command that is applicable to, to me, to us? And so I would encourage you, if you weren't here that week, go back and and watch that. We talked about how to, to, to be content in all things. Paul wrote and said, you know, I've, I've learned the secret. I can be content with a lot or with nothing. And he said, it's, it's, you know, God's strength in me that allows me to go through these different seasons. And so we talked about contentment. We, we've talked about stewardship, how that we are not owners of anything. We are simply the managers, but your stuff is not your stuff. Your stuff is God's stuff. Your money is not your money, that's God's money. Your house is God's house. Your car is God's car. Everything that we have, we have because he's entrusted it to us. And how that as stewards, one day we will give an account. The master will come and ask, what have you done with what I've entrusted to you? And you better be ready to give an account on that day. And so as stewards, it's important for us to understand the desires of the master because we've been entrusted with the master's resources to do the master's bidding. But if we don't spend time listening to the master, then we are squandering what he's given us. So we've talked about stewardship. Today we are going to conclude this series. We're going to finish this series. Some of you are like, thank God we're not talking about money next week. We're talking today about generosity. Next week we'll start a new series entitled Re-Engage. We're talking about spiritual warfare and the the battle that's going on around us. And it's time for us as the church to get up off the bench to re-engage in the battle that that we are facing and we are involved with. But today, we're talking about generosity. And so if you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 4 is where we are going to, to begin today. Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 32. If you don't have your Bibles, the verses will be on the screens. You can follow along that way. Here's what the Bible says. It says that, All the believers, how many of the believers? All the believers were what? United. United. Imagine that. All the believers were united in heart and mind. If ever there was a verse that the church needed to hear, All the believers, and this isn't my message today, I just want to make sure that you're hearing God's word, though. All the believers were united in heart and mind. They were of one heart. They were of one mind. They were of one spirit and engaged in one mission for one purpose. Imagine if that was the church today. Imagine if if we could say, and not not even the Church of Omaha, imagine if we could just say Dream City Church was united with one heart and one mind. How powerful that that would be. Let's move on. They felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything that they had. Verse 33, the apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them. Some of you say, thank you, Jesus. Not needy like that. Not needy like, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Like not needy people, just people that didn't have need. Because we all have needy people. (laughs) Somebody's like, oh yeah. Angels said, we all are needy people. If you don't have any needy people, you are that needy person. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land, listen, this those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. For instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas. He was from the tribe of Levi and he came from the island of Cyprus. He sold the field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. I don't know about you but as I read that as one of those verses that you read and it's like let's just skip that part because here you see these disciples of Jesus these followers of Jesus these people who have have listened to Jesus's teaching and now are going out and telling people about the goodness and the grace of God and it says that they they, as a group, were united together, one heart, one mind. They were taking care of each other's needs. And as a need in their community would pop up, somebody would go and sell a car. Somebody would go and sell some, some livestock. Somebody would go and sell a farm or a field. They would bring the money to the apostles and say, use this to meet the needs in our community. Rather than allowing the government to meet the need, Rather than saying, hey, let's form some nonprofits to meet some needs. Rather than looking at other people to meet the needs, they said, God, what have you given us and how can we meet the needs? And it's a challenging, it's a challenging portion of scripture. It's a challenging thought. It it challenges me even today. <laughs> like, okay, God, what do you want me to go sell? Like, within reason, God, right? Because we always will like. We'll put it out there, and then we'll like take a step back. Like, God, I want you to do this, but only do it how I want you to do it. Only do it within the confines or the boundaries that I allow you to operate within my life. God, I want you to move, and I want you to use me, but if you don't use me the way that I want you to use me, then maybe I'll just go ahead and sit this one out. Today, as we we talk about generosity, we see the generosity of the first church, willing to, to give up their possessions, willing to give up their stuff, really willing to give up everything that they had for the benefit of those around them. I grew up going to baseball games, I love baseball, I played baseball, and so you know some of my my favorite things to do are to, to go to baseball games. And growing up in Albuquerque, we had the Albuquerque Dukes. And now they're the Albuquerque Isotopes, which is a dumb name for a baseball team. But it's the, the Dodgers AAA farm system team. And so we would we would go to, grew up going to, to Duke's games. Then we moved here in 99. And so it was the College World Series down at Rosenblatt. And I like TD Ameritrade, but sometimes I just miss Rosenblatt because of the nostalgia of it. And so you know, grow into to College World Series games or Omaha Royals games, Storm Chasers game, whatever the case may be. I, I've been to a lot of baseball games and I started as a kid and I, I, I would always take my glove, right? Why do you take your glove? Because the off chance that a foul ball comes my way, I need to be ready. You know how many foul balls I've caught? <laughs> Zero. And I, I, I've always wanted to catch a foul ball. Like, I remember growing up thinking, man, how awesome would that be? And every time a ball goes into the stands, you're watching, like, if that could just come my way. If I could just get a ball to, to, to come my way. And then you read stories about, about a guy named Zach Hempel is his name. And he's in his life. He's a young guy. In his life, he's, he's traveled the country. He's really traveled the world, gone to baseball games. He has 11,000 baseballs. I, I'm not even joking. He's caught 11,000 baseballs at baseball games, either home run balls, foul balls, or balls that players have thrown to him in the stands. 11,000. I have none. <laughs> I take my glove to every game I go to. And I, and I grew up just thinking, if I could just have a ball and I would go and i would I would yell at the players as they, you know as they they get the last out of the inning and they 're running into the dugout and they always throw the ball up it's it's never to me I never get the ball. I remember one time during the College World Series me and a friend we were in high school we went to uh, a college world series game. This was at Rosenblad and, and it kind of game kind of dragged on for a little bit. So people started to leave, and so we moved down a little closer to the field, and there was just a few people in our section, and we were sitting there and we got up to go get something to drink. Listen, this like heartbreak, and like we went to get something to drink, and when we came back to our seats, the person like three rows in front of us had a ball. And I was like, dude, did you get a ball? And he's like, yeah, you wouldn't believe it. As soon as you guys left, a foul ball landed right in your seat. This is a true story. I'm not even joking you. This foul ball landed right in your seat. And I'm just like, just like, take me now, Jesus, because my life is over. Like, What's the point? And so I remember growing up and I always wanted a foul ball. And then I remember having kids and I had Jace, and we had Isaiah, we had Carter. So I've got these boys now. And I remember the first time we took our boys to Kansas City, the, the Red Sox were in town. I'm a huge Red Sox fan. They were playing the Royals. Let's take the boys to a Red Sox game. So we drive down to Kansas City. I think, I think mom and dad, you guys were with us as well. So, so the whole family, we go down and we, we're in Kauffman Stadium where we've got great seats, third baseline, just a few rows up from the field and watching the Red Sox. I'm sitting next to Isaiah and and I'm at a baseball game and I'm still wanting to get a foul ball. But because I'm there with my son, I've noticed that my, my motivations have changed. Because in the past it was, hey, give me a foul ball and I will jump in front of any kid to get it. But now that I'm there with my son, it's like, hey, I would like a foul ball, but, but it's not for me, it's for my son. And so anytime a ball left the field, it was, it was, I was watching, and where is it going, and can we, can we get that? Because I wanted to be able to give it to, to Isaiah. And, and I remember Kevin Euclid, who used to play for the Red Sox, he was playing third base. It was a foul ball, uh, a fly ball in foul territory. He caught it for the last out of the inning, and he turned and he made eye contact with me. And it was like, in that moment, you knew that I needed a ball, not for my sake, but for my son. And he took it out of his glove and he lofted it up into the stands and everything went slow motion, you guys. Like, I'm not even joking. <laughs> it was slow motion and it landed right in my hand and I took it and I gave it to my son and I took a picture. This is the picture of that moment. You guys, go ahead and put that picture up. This is me and Isaiah at a Red Sox game and Kevin Euclid has just thrown us a ball that just came from... Now, Now Isaiah today is 14 years old, so this is like nine years ago. Since then, do you know how many foul balls I've got? None. (laughs) But in this moment, I got the first ball that I've ever got in my entire life, and it wasn't for me, it was for my son. And sometimes I wonder if that's how God is, right? Like sometimes we ask God for things, We ask God to to give us blessings, but until we're ready to give it away, I think God is just waiting. He's like, I want to bless you, and I want to give it to you, and I want you to, to have what you want. But if it's for you, then maybe I need to wait until you grow a little bit. But when we get to the point where it's like, God, it's not even for me. God, I don't want that job and I don't want that raise and I don't want the blessing and I don't want all of this stuff. God, I don't want that house just so that I could have more house to clean. But God, if you gave me that house, then we could host small groups and we can we can be home openers for for these college students and we can we can do all of these other things. God, if if I get that raise, then I'll be able to, to give to this ministry and support this missionary and be able to do all of these things. But but I think sometimes we go with such selfish motives that God's like, I want to bless you, but if it's for you, then maybe. I'll just wait for a second until you're ready to, to give it away. In the moment that your motivation shifts from it being about you to it being about somebody else, watch and see what God does. See, in the Bible, there's something called the, the law of reciprocity. And whatever you give is what you get, right? Galatians 6, Paul says that a man reaps whatever he sows, whatever you put into the ground is what you're going to get out of the ground. in Luke, Jesus says that the same measure that you use to give is the measure that will be used when it's given back to you. And so as we look at this idea of generosity, we we have to go to God's word. We have to refinance, come back to God's word in this area because what society says to us is something that's completely opposite from what God's word says. God's word says to give it all up. Society says to get as much as you can, especially especially in America. Like Thanksgiving's just down the road. We're gonna blink and it's gonna be here. And it's one of the, the most backwards. Like we take one day, gather with family and friends, think about all the things that we're thankful for all the things that we're grateful for. And then as soon as the clock strikes midnight, we're trampling each other to get another TV or an Xbox or this or that. And it's like, I'm thankful for you and I'm thankful for everything God's given me. Now get out of my way because I have to get to the furniture mark. Because we live in a society that's like, let me just accumulate and let me acquire. And we have become so consumeristic in our mindset. And we've allowed that to creep into the church to where now when we gather together on Sundays, it's like, pastor, give me. Pastor, feed me. Pastor, thank you. I'll see you next week without ever thinking of what we have to give back. And I love, listen, this isn't, understand my heart. I love that during COVID and the season that we're in that we can stream and we can do all of the technology and the media and stuff, but I, I, my, my fear from the very beginning with the online streaming and, and just how easy it is to stay home and to watch, I get it, I understand, I'm not judging, please don't hear what I'm not saying, but with online viewing and online streaming, it's just made it very easy to be a consumer, we live in, a, we live in a, a, a a streaming society where we don't have to be at our TV at 7 o'clock at night to watch our favorite shows. We can watch it any day of the week. And we've allowed that to influence the way we view church as well to where I don't have to be there Sunday at 9. I can watch it Tuesday at 3 p.m. I can watch it Wednesday. I can watch it Thursday. And if we're not careful, we can become consumeristic in our view of church when church was never meant to be something that you consumed meant to be something that you give your life to. And we have this consumeristic view of all of these things, and yet when we study and examine God's word, we we see that we are called to live lives of generosity. I want to give you you three different points today as as we look at generosity, as we think about generosity. And the first one is this, we reflect Christ when we live generously. You need to understand that. That when you live a life of generosity, what you are doing is you are reflecting the character of God. First John chapter 3, verse 16, here's what the Bible says. It says that we know what real love is because Jesus, what? He gave up his own life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how how can God's love be in that person? How can you claim to to love that person if you have the resources, this is what John's saying, if you have the resources to help them to meet their need, you have the ability within you to do something about it. And instead, you just come to church and say, well, we'll be praying for you. And you walk away. How can God's love be in that person? Why? Because Jesus gave it all because the Father gave it all, because we as his followers are called to give it all. And if we're not generous and we're not giving, how can we then reflect God's character? For God so loved the world that he first gave. Jesus gave it all. The Father gave. And understand, it's not just money. It's not not just monetary or materialistic things, but, but God gave Abraham a son. God gave Jacob a new name. God gave Joseph an interpretation for the dream. God gave Moses a second chance. God gave Elijah fire from heaven. God gave Elisha a second portion of anointing. God gave David a throne. Well, God hasn't given me anything. He gave you his son. Like there's not a person walking the earth that can say that God hasn't been generous to them, that God hasn't given it all. Jesus gave his life for you. And the question that we have to ask ourselves is what are we giving? What are we giving? What are we doing in response? Are we living lives of generosity in response? Well, Pastor John, I don't have much to give. Well, neither did the widow. Neither did the widow. Look, Luke 21, let's look at the scripture. It says that, go ahead, put it up. While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping off their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came, and she dropped in two small coins, less than one penny's worth in monetary value. Jesus stops the show, and he says, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the rest of them, for they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, as poor as she is, has given everything she has. I want you to understand this morning, because I think there are some of us that when we read about generosity or we think about generosity, we have this idea and this thought and there's this really this wish inside of us, like, I wish I could be generous. I wish I had more to give. Do you know how many times I've heard somebody say that? Like, like, I wish I could do more. And listen, I get, like, I understand that. And I wish I could do more all the time. I wish I had more to give. But if we, if we allow ourselves to stay within that, that thinking, We can box ourselves in because you have more to give than you understand. You have more to give than you realize. But sometimes we look at, at situations or we look at what's going on. We see the, the devastation in Louisiana after the hurricane or we see what's going on up in the Northeast. And it's like, man, I wish I could just, I wish I could do something. I wish I had some money that I could just send to them. I wish I wish there was something more that I could do. We look at the situation going on in the Middle East and the the refugees that are trying to get out of Afghanistan. It's like, I wish that I had more, and I wish I could give more. I wish that there was something more that I could do. But as I read the story of this woman, it's not that she gave an exorbitant amount of money. It's not that she stood up with all of these resources and said, here it is, God. But Jesus... Going through what he was going through, you have to understand that this is like the last week of his life and he's getting ready to be arrested and go to the cross and the, the Pharisees are making accusations against him and the Sadducees are making accusations against him and they're asking him questions and testing him and trying him and, and trying to trap him in a corner and he, every corner he comes around, there's somebody trying to trap him and here he's sitting down in the temple just trying to get a moment and these rich people come in dropping off these bags of money and this one little widow comes in with two cents and he says, hold on, did you guys just see what happened? Forget about everything else that's going on this week. Forget about everything else that we've been through. Did you see what just happened? This little, this little old lady, she dropped two coins in and I tell you, she gave more than everybody else. And I can see Matthew, the tax collector. like, well, Jesus... No, actually, she didn't. Like, thank you, Matthew, but you have to understand that while they were giving out of their surplus, she gave out of her need. What's the point here for us? Here's Here's the point that we have to understand with our generosity. God measures our generosity by the size of the sacrifice, not the size of the gift. When you are trying to to ask yourselves and evaluate your generosity. God, am I, am I living the way that you've called me to? God, am I, am I generous like you were generous? What did Jesus give? He gave everything. What did the Father give? He gave his only son. It was, it was a sacrifice what they gave. When we give, those of us who have been, have been blessed by God, it would be very easy to just give out of the surplus. Say, God, look at how awesome I am. And look at my giving report. Look at how much I gave. Look at, look at all the things that I do. But rather than measuring it by the size of our gift, let's start measuring it by how much it hurts when we give it. Did it hurt you to give that? If it didn't hurt, then it wasn't a sacrifice. Did it hurt you to, to offer that? And again, not just material, but, but how are you being generous with your words? How are you being generous with encouragement to those around you? How are you being generous with your time? You want to give something that hurts? Give some time. Like seriously. Give 30 minutes of your time. Give an hour of your time. Invest in the life of somebody around you. Do it sacrificially. Well, I don't have time. Well, make time. Because then you'll know that it's a sacrifice, and then you'll know that you're really being generous. It's not the size of the gift. It's the size of the sacrifice that God measures. The third thing that I want you to understand about generosity is that generosity isn't just a gift to others, but really generosity is a gift for you. A lot of times we think, you know, we need to be generous to bless other people, and yes, you will be a blessing to other people. Yes, other people will be blessed through your, through your actions, through your generosity, through your words, through your time, through the talents that God has placed inside of you, through the, through the gifts that he's gifted you with. But we also have to realize that it's not just for them, but the person, listen, the person who benefits the most from your generosity is you. The person who is blessed beyond measure in your generosity is you. And if you've been generous to the point of it hurting, then you understand what I'm saying. If you've ever taken a step of radical generosity with anything in your life, then you know what I'm talking about. For those of you that maybe you haven't, and not saying that you haven't given and not saying that you haven't been generous, but if if you haven't given till it hurt, then maybe you're like, ah, Pastor John, I don't know. I don't know how I could be blessed by giving away, but did you, did you know that it's been scientifically proven? Yeah. It's interesting to me how that, you know, oftentimes they will, they will say that, well, I don't believe in God because I believe in science, right? Like Nacho Libre, you only believe in science. They'll say, you know, I don't believe in God because I believe in science. And, and so, you know, how, how can how can the Bible be true if it says that the earth is only 6,000 years old when science tells us this? Or how can this be true when science tells us this? And how is the earth really flooded when science tells us? So, you know, all of these different things. But what's interesting to me is how that God's word written over thousands of years, thousands of years ago, has been right time and time again, and science is just kind of catching up to it. Right? Like... God's word says that the wind moves in circular patterns. Back in the day, we thought that the wind just moved in one direction until we realized, no, it does move in circles. Wait, God's word was right about that? So many different ways, and I could go on for hours about that, but I won't. But what science has recently found, and neuroscience has measured the, the neurons and the you know, endorphins being released, that when you, when you give something, when you give a gift to somebody, your body releases more endorphins than if you were to receive something, which is interesting because as the Bible says <laughs> it's better to give than to receive. And now science is like, hey, everybody, pay attention. We just found something out. You might want to know it is actually better for you to give something than to receive something. And those of us in the church are like, you don't say. (laughs) We've been saying that for a while now. Thank you, scientists, for catching up to the party. But scientists have actually proven that it is better for you when you give something away. It's better for you to live a life of generosity. Yes, being stingy, you might save a couple pennies, but you're going to pay for it in the stress and the worry and the anxiety. Live a life of generosity and see what happens. Proverbs chapter 11, I'm going to share this verse with you. Haley, you can come back. Here's what Solomon says. Give freely and become more wealthy. How many of you guys want to be more wealthy? Mm-hmm. Like, it's okay. You can say yes. Like, I'm not going to like, yeah, who wouldn't want that, right? Like, sure. Thank you. I'll take that. Give freely, be generous, and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose it all. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. I love this verse. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Today, if you need to be refreshed, if you come in here and you're feeling empty and dry and just, God, I need to be refreshed, then what do I have to do today? You need to find somebody to refresh. You need to find somebody to refresh because the quickest way for you to be refreshed is to refresh somebody else. The quickest way to make your cup full is to fill the cup of somebody around you. I tell this to to couples all the time. Husbands, if your cup is empty in that relationship and in your relationship, you better do everything you can to fill the cup of your wife because the quickest way to make sure your cup is full is to make sure that her cup is full and vice versa. And here's what the Bible says. If you refresh somebody else, then you yourself will be refreshed. Be generous and be given more. Be stingy and lose it all. Isn't it interesting how those things that we try and protect the most are the things that we lose first? <laughs> those things that we try and keep away from people and we try and hoard and we try and keep to ourselves, those are the first things that end up slipping through our fingers. I remember several years ago I took, I took Jace out and we went, we went. Running some errands. And before I left the house, I said, you know, Dad's running some errands. Does anybody want to come with me? And everybody's like, no, why would we want to run errands? But Jace was like, yes, Dad, I will go with you. So me and Jace, who's our oldest, we went out. We were driving around, ran some errands. And on our way home, Jace says, Dad, can we stop and get a slushie at the gas station? I said, son, because you chose to come with me, absolutely, we will get us a slushie. Stopped at the gas station, went in, got a slushie, came out, went home. Everybody's like, where's my slushie? I said, you didn't come with us. Well, that's not fair. Who says it's not fair? Life's not fair, is it? Well, why didn't we get a slushie? How come Jace is the only one that got a slushie? Because Jace is the only one that decided to come. Well, Jace, can I have a drink of your slushie? Jace is like, no, you cannot have a drink of my slushie. <laughs> Dad, can you tell Jace to give me a drink of his slushie? I said, it's his slushie to do with what he wants. And at this point, Jace is like figuring out what's going on. And he starts really rubbing it in the face. He's like, "Hmm, this is the best slushie ever. <laughs> So we went outside and <laughs> we were out in the backyard and, and I remember Jace put the, the slushie down and you know the boys started throwing the football in the backyard. And I don't know if Isaiah did it on purpose, I don't think he did because his aim's not that good, but he threw the football and it hit Jace's slushie and it knocked it all over the floor. Jace's slushie that was once in a cup that he was being stingy with, that he was hoarding, that he was keeping to himself, he wasn't willing to share it with anybody. This is my slushie, don't touch my slushie, don't even look at my slushie. You can't even wipe the condensation off of my slushie. <laughs> now, all of a sudden, it's all over the floor. And I remember Jace looking at his slushies. They were, they were young. He looked at Isaiah. He said, Isaiah, that was my slushie. You spilled my slushie. And I remember Isaiah just walking past him because now the game's over. Like, what's the point of, you know, Jace doesn't want to play now, so I'm just going to walk in the house. And he, I remember he just walked past Jace. He's like, well. Guess you should have shared your slushie. (laughs) Just walked right past it. Guess you should have shared your slushy because if you'd have shared it, you probably would still have it. The Bible says, be stingy, lose everything. But those who have a generous heart, those who who look around and, and see needs, and rather than just with words saying, hey, I'll pray for you. Hey, hopefully that works out. Hey, you know, I'll... If they have the resources, they they take the time. If they have the the, the material, the the monetary blessing to be able to to help, they do. If they have the the time to invest, they do. When when Melissa gets up and says, listen, I'm the Connect Team leader and I I want to get you connected and we have opportunities for you to serve in the ministry here. We don't do that so that we can be blessed. We do that so that you can be blessed. We come in, we hear about opportunities to serve and Pastor Sariah has opportunities in the back to minister to kids. It's like, well, somebody else will do that. What are we saying? We're saying somebody else will be generous. Somebody else will give of their time. Somebody else will give of their talent. Somebody else will give of their gifts. I don't know if it's gonna be me, but, but somebody else will do that. My encouragement to you today is evaluate. How am I giving? God, how am I giving? If you, if you view my giving not by the, the amount given, but by the amount of sacrifice it was to give, how am I doing? If my job is to be a reflection of you and reflection of Christ, how am I reflecting this aspect of your character? Am I reflecting how generous you are? And I, am, I, am, I, am I being a good witness to the world of your love and how generous you are with us? My encouragement, my challenge to you is, is as you ask those questions and as you allow the Holy Spirit to, to speak to you and maybe bring conviction in a different area, my challenge to you is whatever he shows you, step out in faith and do that. Allow yourself to be stretched. Allow yourself to be challenged because those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Amen. 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 Stand with me this morning. Lord, we thank you. Father, we thank you for your generosity. We thank you that you first gave. Jesus, we thank you for your generosity, that you gave up your life so that in you we can find the promise of new life. Lord, as your representatives here on this earth, as those who have been been sent out as your representatives to reflect your character and to Reflect your heart in our world. We better be reflecting generosity because that's what you've shown us. Because that's how, how you are with us. And so, God, if you who are so generous with us and have entrusted us with so much, who are we then to turn around and be stingy with what's not even ours? Being stingy with the material you've given us with the time you've given us being stingy with our words, being stingy with the talents that you've blessed us with, the gifts that you've placed inside of us, Lord. My my challenge today, my prayer today, is that you would show each and every one of us an area that we, we could stand to grow in generosity. Whatever you're calling us to, we thank you that That when we give, yes, we can then be a blessing to others. Even as you told Abraham, I'm going to bless you so the entire world through you will be blessed. We thank you that when we give, we have the opportunity to, to be a blessing to other people. But when we give, God, we ourselves are blessed. Lord, I pray that you would give each and every one of us an opportunity, a clear opportunity, a divine encounter this week that you would bring somebody in our path or even right now bring to mind the individual that you would have us to, to just perform a small act of generosity. Maybe for some it's gonna be with, with something monetary. Maybe for some it'll be just time and giving, giving 30 minutes or an hour to somebody. Maybe for some it's gonna be an encouraging word. Help us not to be stingy with everything that you've entrusted to us. God, may we be generous as you were generous. Go with us this week. Give us opportunities to share your love with those around us. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Hey, listen, next week, re-engage. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be good. Invite somebody, bring somebody with you. I love you guys. If you need prayer, our prayer team is down here. We'd love to be able to minister to you in that way. If not, stop by, grab a, a donut in the coffee shop, support the missions team. We'll see you guys next week. Here at Dream City Omaha, we're all about three things. Helping people discover Christ, recover identity, or uncover purpose. If you enjoyed today's service, we encourage you to check out our past sermon series as well as our discipleship classes. Give us a subscribe, and we hope that we can help you grow no matter where you are.